Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's not that the Celtics won game one that surprised most folks. It might have surprised many. It's the fact that they won by 25. Had a 28-point lead at one point that probably shocked some. Uh, they get ready for game two tomorrow night at the TD Garden. Chris Mannix writes about a lot of things, but especially basketball for Yahoo Sports and joins us online. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm good, guys. How you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Did the uh, did the margin of victory shock you yesterday? Of course. Um, you know, Boston, you know, whether it's the playoffs or the regular season with Kyrie, without Kyrie, um, what they do is they play from behind. I mean, they, they have to, you know, rip leads apart and come back from. Did it in, in game one of the Philly series. You half expect them have to do it in game one of this series. But, you know, what we've seen is that incrementally, you know, this team has gotten more and more comfortable playing together offensively. And as we saw all season long, you know, it, this Cavs team is just really bad defensively. Have you ever seen a player get applause after answering a question in the postgame press conference? Uh, not like that. And it, I mean, in the moment, it was pretty funny. Um, I haven't seen, I didn't applaud, but I had seen that before. Um, it was, you know, you, you, it, it was at the end of what was a pretty loose press conference for LeBron. I mean, mm. you know, from start to finish, it was, you know, remain calm, all is well out there. And, you know, no matter how many people tried to, you know, get him to admit that, you know, he was worried about something after game one. He just, he wasn't, whether it was the, his own performance, the three-point shooting from his team, um, he just wasn't having it. And, you know, that was, was a kind of dry comedy at the end there when he said he recited the first three plays of the fourth quarter. What was it that Marcus Morris did to have such a great game? I mean, he was great offensively, but specifically defensively, forcing LeBron into, you know, seven turnovers, a, a, bunch, a bunch of missed shots. Uh, I know it was a team effort, but Morris specifically, what did he do? You know, he, he stayed in front of him and did all the things that you you'd like a guy to do defensively. But I, I just look, I, I just thought LeBron took himself out of the game. Now, now early on, when when it's still a game, and you know the first five six minutes of the the, the first, I mean, I thought they did played some good defense to get against LeBron. They threw a bunch of different looks at him, uh, not just Marcus Morris, but you know building that kind of wall in front of him so he always sees an extra defender uh, that was there. But after that, I mean. It just looked like LeBron was disengaged. I mean, I watched most of that Toronto series, and you know, every time that LeBron got a mismatch, whether it was you know on Kyle Lowry or on CJ Miles, he would attack that mismatch. He was getting switches with Rozier and with Smart and with others, and he wasn't really going at him. And, and look, I know he talks about how he treats Game One like it's a feeling out process, like an early rounds of of a boxing match, but it, it was bizarre to see a guy that was so aggressive against the Raptors really mail it in the first game of the series. Chris, explain to Celtics fans and me 
why what happened yesterday isn't necessarily an aberration and could be repeated by the Celtics as this series goes on? Well, I think defensively they can continue to make an impact. I mean, one of their mantras throughout this this entire postseason has been, we're not afraid to let one guy beat us, whether it was Giannis in the first round or our Embiid or Simmons in the next. I mean, they'll they'll live with contested jump shots or even three-point shots from one player as long as the rest of them don't get theirs. And, you know, I thought they did a really good job of defending Kevin Love, really good job of sticking with Kyle Korver. On the flip side, as much as we like to sit here and say, all right, well, you know, Cleveland's going to play better and uh, LeBron's going to give us his best shot, I didn't think Boston even played his best game. I mean, Rozier was, was very average in that one. Uh, Jason Tatum had good numbers, but I didn't think he played all that well. I mean, he, he had good spurts, you know, first quarter, third quarter. He put some, some runs together. He didn't play a complete game. And, you know, the Marcus Smart experience, as I like to call it, wasn't, you know, uh, wasn't that great either. So uh, I think Boston can, can put some things together and play even better in game two. It sounds like Tristan Thompson's going to get the start in game two. Would you expect any kind of counter from the Celtics, or do you think they should roll out the same starting lineup? No, they'll roll out the same starting lineup, but I think that if it turns out that Thompson uh, picks up where he left off, and, and really against Al Horford, it's like Tristan Thompson's picking up where he left off for the last five years. Um, you'll see Aaron Baines pretty quickly. I mean, I think Morris, you want to bring him right back as the way he defended LeBron, but uh, Thompson was, was such a, a big presence there, albeit in limited minutes. Whenever he kind of got switches on him or even Horford on him, he was just able to overpower in the paint. You can't have him doing that. You can't have, you know, what will kill you in a game like this is second and third chance opportunities, and, and that's where Thompson excels. And that's really where only Aaron Baines had any impact on him. Uh, last night. So I think you'll see the same starting lineup, but you'll see Baines pretty quickly. We're talking to Chris Maddox of Yahoo Sports, talking about the Celtics and Cavs and the NBA playoffs. If we take it as a given that LeBron James is the best player in this series, and I think we are in agreement that we all do, who's the second, third, and fourth best players? (laughs) I think you have to look over at Boston. I mean, you know, Kevin Love had a great second round, but he was, you know, very average or worse than average in that first round. He probably has more talent than than anybody else, but I think it's Tatum and Brown after that. It's Horford after that. I mean, you know, it's, you're, you're at the very least evenly matched from 2-3 on down uh, in, in Boston's case. It's just how much do you give up if you're if you're defending against uh, LeBron James? Do you, what kind of shots do you give up? I mean, I don't think Boston is going to give up a layup line to LeBron in the next one, but if he wants to shoot 34 times, They'll let him shoot 34 times. That, they don't believe that that's, that's going to hurt them. So I, I think that it's, it's, it's love in that mix, but then it's Tatum, Brown, and Horford right after that. Now, Dale and I were talking about, you know, if LeBron wins this series or if he loses this series, is he more or less likely to leave Cleveland? I personally think he's gone no matter what. Do you think this series could determine one way or another what happens with him? I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's you know, trying to get inside LeBron's head is is, is like a maze up there of, of trying to figure out what he's got going on. I mean, conventional wisdom says the more games you win, the better chance you have of retaining him. So they win this series. I'd say they've got a better shot of of keeping him around. But one thing I know about LeBron from you know covering him, you know, really since since almost day one, uh, he's always got something else going on. In 2010, it was. Well, you know, he's got the the 2008 Olympic team, and all those guys talked about playing together, and that was the genesis of the Miami team. In 2014, we learned after the fact that he had buried the hatchet with with ownership um, uh, in, in Cleveland. You know, long before uh, he made that decision, and you know, the, the the seeds had even been planted earlier. 
about potentially coming back to Cleveland, both for you know basketball reasons and of course LeBron's desire to you know, kind of be out there and 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 be part of that community once again. So no matter what happens, you know, no matter what happens in the playoffs, I'm sure that in October we'll be writing stories about how you know LeBron was on you know some kind of text chain with Paul George and DeMarcus Cousins and they were discussing their futures with somebody else that LeBron was talking to about his future. Do you get the sense, Chris, that the players on the Cleveland Cavaliers like being the supporting cast for the LeBron James show? Not really. Um, I think they like winning, and you know, I think they they like what comes with the whole LeBron experience. But no, I don't. I don't think they like being, you know, basically you know, low level supporting actors, always blamed for everything wrong. Look, the guys on the floor in Cleveland, you know, they know. They know every possession where we see on a few that you know that LeBron doesn't play hard every possession. I mean, how many times did we look at the floor last night and see LeBron, you know, just kind of walking back up the court in transition, he, he, or or him, you know, not giving giving it his all in half court defense. He, you know, for for you know legitimate reasons, he's got to you know limit himself and and not you know push himself so hard defensively because of what he has to carry for that team offensively, but. Yeah, I'm sure the Cavs players, and I know it for a couple of them, you know, hate being punching bags, you know, for for LeBron James. So it's a necessary evil in some ways to to, to play on that team. I think early on when LeBron was in Miami, nobody gave Eric Spolster any credit, and then ultimately find out, oh wait a minute, that guy is a, a good head coach. Is Ty Lue like speaking of you know other players being punching bags? I think Ty Lue is as well. That's sort of how I see it from afar. But is he actually a good head coach? I think he's he's got a good head coach potential, and and look what he did in the finals um, a couple of years ago was 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 remarkable. I mean, he, he, as we saw with the, the Raptors series, part of a coach's responsibility is keeping your team up, keeping them focused, even in the face of adversity. And, and being down in that series against Golden State, the fact that Ty Lue was was constantly able to kind of keep them sharp, and LeBron has a lot to do with that too. Don't get me wrong, but you know Ty Lue has has been been solid in that regard. Plus, coaching stars isn't easy. If it was easy, there'd be more than a handful of guys over the last 15, 20 years that have won championship rings. Spolster, we believed he was a good coach uh, prior to uh, LeBron going down to Miami, and, and I think he showcased his ability to manage stars and build an offense that features three stars uh, during that time there. I, I don't know yet if Ty Lue is a good coach. We're probably not going to learn if Ty Lue is a great coach or a, or a less than that type of coach until after LeBron James leaves Cleveland. I don't know who you think is going to win the Western Conference Final. You could make a case for either team. Does it really matter because whoever comes out of the Eastern Conference Final isn't going to beat either of those teams in the West? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the only way you can look at it. Um, you, you know, if, if Boston had Kyrie Irving, I'd give them a right. chance against Golden State. I mean, they, you just would because of the way the Celtics have played the, the, the Warriors over the last two years, the fact that they can switch everything, that they've got some flexibility, versatility defensively, um, you give them more than a puncher's chance against the Warriors. But without that one guy, the success the Celtics have had against Golden State, they've always had Isaiah or, or Kyrie to, to sort of power them through some dry spells uh, defensive or offensively. Don't have that now, so don't give them much of a chance. And Cleveland, look, it took everything for them to win, what, one game against the, the Warriors last year, and they had Kyrie Irving on that team. I just don't see that. Or Houston, if they come out of that. I think I think we're looking at the JV bracket and in the Western Conference, the varsity. 
Now, last thing for me, the uh, NBA draft lottery is tomorrow. The Celtics have a very, very small chance of getting the second or the third pick from the uh, Sixers trade that they made. How good is this draft class compared to some of the recent ones? Go first. You know they're going to win it. You know they're going to get the second. <laughs> like, this is – it just it's, – it's, it's, it's just destined because it's the, the Nets pick. It still is the Nets pick as part of this deal because of, the, because of that trade. So it's the gift that keeps on giving. And, and the, this Nets pick drama – has to end with the Celtics having the number two overall pick in the draft, just to make, <laughs> just to cement it as the worst trade in sports history. Mm-hmm. It just, it has to. But look, it, it's it's a, I mean, it's hard to evaluate the draft right now. It it's widely viewed, and, and I've spent a lot of time on the phone with people the last couple of days because I'm going to head out to the combine uh, on Wednesday. But it's widely viewed as as a five or six per t- uh, player draft at the top, which is very good. Uh, you don't often get teams that excited about five or six players. At the top of the draft, I'd be surprised if it's anybody but DeAndre Ayton uh, at number one. After that, you could probably go from Bagley to Mo Bamba to Luka Doncic uh, in that mix. After that, total crapshoot like it is uh, every other year. But I'm, I'm I don't know why I keep saying keep believing this. But even with that small, uh, you know, what two or three percent chance, yeah, I just believe the Celtics are getting it. I believe they're going to wind up with that pick just to make <laughs> Billy King bang his head against the wall one more time. Uh, with the U.S. Supreme Court allowing legalized sports betting in the country, I'm assuming your money tomorrow night would be on a big LeBron James game and a and a much better Cleveland Cavaliers performance. Yeah, but I think Boston wins because I've I was in uh, I was in Cleveland for Game Two of that Indiana series, and I watched LeBron do the exact same thing. Game One of that series, Cavs lost. LeBron sleepwalked through it. Game Two, he went nuts. I think he had the first 14 points of the game. The Cavs built a 20 point lead. And then they gave it up. They coughed it right back, and it took a Victor Oladipo miss, where Victor Oladipo was as open as he's ever been in his entire life on three, for that game to not go to overtime, and that, and potentially the Cavs to not lose that. For the first time in, I won't say the first time in his career, but really for the first time since, you know, probably at least 2010, a great LeBron performance guarantees nothing. Because he could play great, and they could lose by 10. That's just how this team is built. If he doesn't get help from Love or from Korver, They will lose and go down 0-2. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.